Defensive line coach John Scott is headed to the NFL, and I don't think Penn State's going to have to look too far to find his replacement. You are Locked On Nittany Lions, your daily podcast on the Penn State Nittany Lions, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked on Nittany Lines your first listen and watch every single day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube. My name is Zach Seiko, your host of Locked on Nittany Lines, and joined by a very special guest. And perfect because we get to discuss some breaking news together. Is Chris Hess over on the other side. Chris, thanks for your time today. Of course. Thanks for having me. I love coming on here and talking Penn State. Yeah, we're talking Penn State football first as John Scott is headed back to the NFL. He's going to be on the staff of the Detroit Lions. Uh, We'll talk about replacements. We'll also talk about the bulk of this is going to be talking about Penn State men's hockey in the upcoming segments as they split with Wisconsin. That was definitely not not the outcome that we wanted, uh, but they are going to be the sixth seed and have to travel to Columbus. So we'll talk about all that. Uh, But we get a little bit of breaking news here on this Monday evening, another live edition of Locked on Nittany Lions. Feel free to put your thoughts, comments, questions in the comment section down below if you are watching on YouTube with us. Uh, Chris, uh, your immediate reaction to seeing Penn State have a defensive line coach uh, and uh, an integral part because he's also the run game coordinator as well. So don't think that, well, they're just losing a position coach. This is somebody that is very heavily involved with the Penn State staff. This is somebody that's been on the staff for quite some time now. And this one, I'm okay with it. Uh, because I think there's somebody on staff that will take over and do just as uh, just as good of a job. But your thoughts? I mean, I did not expect this at all. I mean, I wasn't a, either. It's a it's a random Monday in the end of February. I don't think anybody was really expecting any. I wouldn't call this earth shattering news, but a blip on the radar, if you will, that John Scott is leaving, like we had talked about. But I mean, that's part of the industry. I mean, coaches are going to come and go, and you you had hinted at a potential replacement that's already on staff, and that's none other than former Penn State letterman Dion Barnes, who was an integral part of those sanction-plagued teams, played a big role in keeping that program together. And it's something that I had mentioned, you know, just kind of out there on Twitter um, when Dion Barnes was retained after his graduate assistantship had ended that it is so crucial that if you're going to build a championship staff and a championship culture as part of this big Penn State program, you're going to need guys on your staff that not only played at the university and loved the university, but had great success at the university and they genuinely care about Penn State. And that's Deion Barnes to a T. I I can't, I mean, yeah, they can potentially go outside because this is a pivotal year for the program. If they want to go outside, they can go outside. But in my opinion, Deion Barnes is the replacement. He's staring at you right in the face. Yeah, it is Deion Barnes. Uh, that's and just kind of promote. He was promoted out of that graduate assistant role because you only have so many years that you can uh, be in that position. 
And because of the COVID regulations and the rules that were put into place, the additional eligibility, that didn't only apply to players. That applied to graduate assistants in this case. Uh, and, and now he's an analyst plus a, a recruiting coordinator as well. So his role is more expansive. I imagine he got a pay raise as well. Uh, but I think he should... I, I take no shame in the fact if Penn State says, okay, we know we just hired him to a, a lower position and he gets a promotion right out of the gate. I am totally fine with that. Just from what I hear, I've heard that Dion Barnes already has the response that you want from these players. He's able to connect with them. And then he will finally be in charge of a group, a position that he played for Penn State for a number of years. And then over in the NFL, he was drafted. He gets it. He's able to relate to the younger crowd. So why not have that advantage? Why not have someone who's fresh out of the NFL lead a group that you're already seeing results? It's not, I'm not hearing, well, eventually he'll be a good coach, or eventually we could see him as a defensive line coach uh, down the road in maybe five to 10 years. No, the, the time is now, believe it or not, for someone like Deion Barnes. And that you had said it in what you just said. I mean, I just repeated myself a little bit, and that was a weird sentence, but you said it best. He gets it. That's it. He gets it. This is a guy, like you had mentioned, for success at Penn State, success in the NFL, played in the NFL. He knows what the deal is. And if the players are responding to him because he's young, he's in tune with everything, he can relate to them because it wasn't that long ago that he was playing on that same field that those players are playing on now. He yeah. gets it. Those three simple words, he gets it. That's it. But if they are going to look outside of the program here, I, the first name that jumps to my mind, I don't know if he would move just because it, it would be a lateral uh, position change, uh, strictly going from one institution to another, and that's Elijah Robinson over at Texas A&M. I know someone that is aiming to be a defensive coordinator. I mean, any of these guys are. But uh, he's a Texas A&M. He's, in fact, the defensive line coach and the run game coordinator. Do you think there's any chance that Penn State convinces someone who was a former staff member to come back for uh, essentially the same title? I, I don't know if they're going to be able to outbid Texas A&M. Maybe they do because uh, John Scott's leaving the program to go to the Detroit Lions. But that that's a name that I would like if they ultimately do not go with Deion Barnes and they say, hey, uh, you're still three, four years away. Uh, from what they know, obviously, in-house. But I like the name Elijah Robinson if they can somehow do it. I like it, too. But that's a tall order. Yeah, that You're going to have to outbid Texas A&M because Penn State has the money, but Texas A&M has all of the money. And that's yeah. about as far as I'll go. Yeah, and we do have a comment from YouTube. Mike says that's a bit of a lost tough news, but one thing Franklin is good at is replacing coaches. Uh that's very well said. Uh, oh. I, I have no no doubt in my mind that they will find the right assistant. This is a, even with John Scott leaving to go to the Detroit Lions. This staff is very well rounded. I I see this as a loss just because of what John Scott's been able to do in, in the past few years. He provided some stability. First of all, it's not it hasn't been a revolving door at that position coach spot. Uh, but then you had Arnold Ebicady who came in. In one year, you had PJ Mustafer, who was able to gradually get better in his later years at Penn State. You saw the recruitment of guys coming in, Chop Robinson, to get him out of the transfer portal. Who do you think is responsible for that? Uh, Deny Dennis Sutton. Who do you think, when it came down on signing day, he almost signed with Georgia. He was very close to flipping to Georgia. And who do you think had one of those final conversations to convince him? Not only James Franklin, but uh, the guy you're working with in John Scott. So, 
those kind of things do add up. I hate to see him go, but like Mike says, I'm I'm just as confident that uh, there will be a good, if not better, choice for the defensive line spot at Penn State. I mean, like you had mentioned, Franklin has done a good job of you know replacing those coordinators and those coaches when they leave to go take another job or are let go from the staff. Like, you know, just looking at the track record, Brent Pry leaving for um, Virginia Tech, Tech. and you bring in Manny Diaz. That's one. And then I forgot who the – was it – oh, geez. Who was the coach before Anthony Poindexter? You got me there. I'm I'm blanking out right now. Tim Banks. Tim, Tim okay, Tim Banks, yeah, went down yeah. to Tennessee, yep. and then you bring in Anthony Poindexter, and Tim Banks is a good coach, and Anthony, you replace it with Anthony Poindexter, yeah. who is really, really good. So they're, they're sort of one-upping themselves, and I'm just excited to see where Coach Franklin goes from here. Does he go in? Does he go out? I guess time will tell. Yeah, there, there hasn't really been a, a miss. into early on, I, I think, you know, you think back to the days of oh, John Donovan, uh assistant coaches that came on uh you know you you had issues uh, just with at offensive line if you think about that you had matt lime grover in and out you had herb hand in and out and then you finally get some consistent you really you really built it up with phil Troutwine at the helm now so i no concerns here I, I think they will find the right guy for the job so this was i'm glad we had some breaking news to really spice up this live episode because my my whole intent was to uh do some winter workout updates, uh, maybe give a, a little bit of perspective on the Drew Aller situation. He is not hurt, okay? Uh, there's He's been participating in practice. There's physical evidence of him being at the latest winter workout. So it, 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 there was the rumor of the scooter, that he's in a walking boot. Uh, I, I would buy into the rumors of the walking boot if there were more evidence, if there were pictures he goes to school with 40,000 other peers and no one has snapped a photo because of anybody who's curious. So this thing started and of course it spread like wildfire because this is a big deal. You know, you don't want your star quarterback, your potential star quarterback uh, to be injured at all. But if he's participating in practice, that's really all I care about. If he's in a walking boot, if anything, it's precaution. But bottom line is he is at winter workouts and he is involved. People will do anything for clicks and interactions. I swear to God. Like, I can't speak on it because I'm not on campus anymore. I'm not in State College anymore. So I can't speak on it. But like I mentioned, people will do anything for clicks and interactions and just to stir the pot even more because, you know, there's people out there with nothing better to do. But that's not here nor there. Well, it is locked on Nittany Lions, and Penn State is going to have to look for a new defensive line coach. John Scott is headed to the city of Detroit to coach the Lions, and that report comes from the C- the CDT, the Center Daily Times, the first ones to report it, John Saber on the story. And today's episode of Locked on Nittany Lions is sponsored by Built Bar. Are you looking for a delicious treat, but you don't want all of the fat and calories? Then you got to try a built bar. We just got through the holidays and I know my goal is to eat a little healthier this year. And if you're like me where you want to eat healthier, but you don't want to compromise all of the taste, then you got to try a built bar. With Built, healthy is actually tasty. Seriously, they're so delicious. You won't think they're good for you. It's perfect for the New Year's resolution that's still going on. And what makes Built Bars so good? Well, for starters, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. That is right, real chocolate. And they come 
in unbelievably tasty flavors like churro, peanut butter, brownie, coconut, almond. I'm not sure how built does it. I'm really not. But these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining those amazing macros. And what's even better is that they are healthy. 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now you don't have to wait around to get a box for years. We've been talking about ordering your built bars at built.com. Now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. That is right. Head to your nearest Walmart today. Walk to the pharmacy section. Grab yourself a box of built bars. You can pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream double chocolate or coconut puffs and if you're close to a sam's club run in grab a 13 bar box of hit flavors like brownie batter and churro you can thank me later thanks again for making locked on nittany lines your first listen and watch every single day make sure you check out the brand new show and that is locked on college basketball's march madness is so close one of my favorite times of the year locked on college basketball everything you need to know about college basketball in one place plus you get to hear from big name experts insiders players and coaches that is locked on college basketball available Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. I'm Zach Seiko, host of Locked on Nittany Lines with special guest Chris Hess, who is going to help me analyze Penn State men's hockey as they finish sixth in the Big Ten, splitting with Wisconsin. Notre Dame got a surprise win over Michigan, jumping up to the four seed. Michigan State had its bye week, so they really couldn't control anything. And Wisconsin finished in last, uh, and Penn State now has to travel to Columbus to face the Ohio State Buckeyes in a series that last year they did win. They, uh, same thing, deja vu all over again. But Chris, I was not happy that they split this series. No, I was not happy either. Not, and, not in the slightest. No. Nope. And after, after Friday night's six to one shellacking, I'm thinking to myself, oh, like this is, this is what we're, this is what we're looking forward to. Like this will be good. Just win on Saturday. I don't care if it's another 6-1 game, or if it's one to nothing, I really don't care. Just win the game so that you can clinch home ice. Nope. Didn't do it. Nope, they didn't do it. They didn't do it, and they did it to themselves. They just did it to themselves. They came out flat. I don't know if there was – I'm not going to speculate whether they came out thinking that it was going to be a cakewalk. I'm not going to speculate whether they did it or they didn't, but they came out flat, and it showed – and that was it. And kudos to McClellan, the goalie from Wisconsin. Oh, he was lights head. out in game he, two. He was lights out. He was fantastic. But still, I get that your offensive philosophy is pucks on net, pucks on net, pucks on net. I get that. It's always been the MO for Penn State hockey. But sometimes you're going to have to get a little down and dirty, and it needs to be quality over quantity. How many of those shots on goal were of quality? You could say a good amount, but if you're shooting the puck 50 times just to shoot the puck 50 times, what are you doing? What are you doing? What? It just makes no sense to me. Like, I understand you're trying to get the shots on goal, but quality, quality. That goalie has struggled this year, but it, when he's on his game, he's on his game. It's tough to be any goalie when they're on their game, regardless of how good or bad they are. That's hockey, you know. You just get a couple bouncing pucks here and there. Okay, a couple of them in the back of the net. A couple of them are saved. But have some urgency. And towards the end, I'm listening to Brian Tripp's call synced up with the video, and they're getting decent chances, but nothing to ride home about. Yeah, the, There was just seemed to be no urgency in that game. And, you know, whether they tied it up or not and went to overtime, that's a whole other story because we could speculate about that. They didn't deserve to win on Saturday night. They didn't deserve to. And yeah, that's, they, and that's going to kill them later on. 
Yeah, uh, 47 shots, and you only have one goal to show for it. Now, they did get a goal taken off, which I, I'm not – do you know what the situation was? Because I'm not sure, and I was listening to Brian Tripp and Eric Olson on the call. They were just as confused when that goal got wiped off in the middle of the third period. It, it I was in the same boat that it was the listening aspect of it. I couldn't see the replay at mm-hmm. the time and because it was just audio. But this is a team that you're better than. It shouldn't have you shouldn't to have come to down roll. to a referee call, right? Exactly. It shouldn't have to get to that point. And again, like I had mentioned earlier, if the game goes to overtime, if that let's say that goal stands and they go to overtime, it's not even guaranteed that they win. Yeah, they might get a point out of it, but what good is that? You're still gonna end up in a log jam for probably not even gonna get home ice. You might depending on what the tiebreaker situation was. I don't remember off the top of my head, but it shouldn't have to come down. If you put, okay, if you put the game in the hands of the people in stripes, you're going to have a bad time. That's it. You're going to have a bad time. If you're going to have to rely on the referees to make a call at any important juncture of the game, putting your faith into Big Ten referees in any sport, oh, jeez. Don't do it. Just don't do it. Yeah, we see that with Penn State men's basketball quite a bit of the time right now. And I, the referees didn't have any factor in the Rutgers game, but uh, they do they do get a lot of calls wrong. So a great point that you make here. Penn State's eighth in the pairwise. Uh, for those who might be concerned thinking that they're going to miss the NCAA tournament because I, I it does worry me. What if they get swept by Ohio State? But uh, they did. They did win one against Wisconsin. They won emphatically. Wisconsin, for what it's worth, is uh, just outside of the top 30 uh, in the pairwise. So they're they're a bad team by Big Ten standards, but they're not uh, an atrocious team by Division One hockey standards. Uh, but this, what what was disappointing was the fact that Penn State only had one goal on, on 47 shots in Game Two. Because Game Game One's great. You win six to one. Uh, you jumped out into an early lead because I know that Guy Godowski hammered home that we cannot have a repeat of Minnesota in game one. And what happened? You had the, the entire reverse of it. Uh, And then you go into game two and like the Minnesota series offensively, you're, you're not clicking. You are getting quality sets, but your shots aren't going through. And Wisconsin is by no means a defensive team. If any way, if any way they're going to win, it's somehow out outscore you it's not going to be surprisingly it was two to one when in reality i'd be more inclined to think that it would have been 12 to 11 (laughs) that's just it It, so does this concern you does this does this have implications leading up to the ncaa because i don't care about wisconsin but i think it's important to note here why they're number six because they didn't sweep wisconsin what burns me the most is that penn state was at home it was senior night senior day and you were playing not Michigan, not uh, Minnesota again. You were playing Wisconsin when you had every the, – the puck was on your side of the ice. You had everything in your control, and, and now you're the sixth seed when you could have had easily home ice advantage in the first round of the Big Ten tournament for for once. And, and you don't. You blew it. Does that, does, does that weigh on you? Does that have any effect of how you see them performing in the regional in, uh, in Allentown, which is great? Uh, and the the overall experience of the NCAA tournament. It doesn't just worry me. It scares the ever-loving daylights out of me. Okay. But if there's one thing I've learned in particular about Guy Godowski since he's been at Penn State, they always seem to hit a different gear when the calendar turns to March. 
that they've, you know, they've had great Big Ten tournament runs. Heck, their first year, the first year of the Big Ten hockey conference, they were dead last. Just left for dead, not good, the sixth seed. They draw Michigan in the first round. And this was before the best of three format. This was when the regional mm-hmm. was in uh, in Minneapolis, St. Paul. They beat Michigan in double overtime in the first Big Ten tournament. They upset them. Nobody saw that coming. Penn State, I think, had won under 10 games in that regular season. And then they got smacked in the semifinal, I think, against Wisconsin. But that's beside the point. They always seem to hit a different gear when the Big Ten tournament comes. And if they lose this series against Ohio State, not only they're going to the tournament, yes, mm-hmm. but in what mental state and physical state they're going to be, they might be limping into that regional. And if they get paired against, let's say, a Western Michigan or a Michigan Tech or a Harvard, yeah. those are three programs that I think are perennial contenders, Western Michigan specifically out of the NCHC, that they're a fierce competitive team and harvard's so smart obviously because they're an ivy league school that they have draft picks galore and those guys always have an edge to them i just worry that if they go and lose to ohio state they're gonna just limp to the tournament and get shellacked in the first game i it worries me it worries me to my core so do they need to i mean in the big 10 tournament you, you want them to boost that standing because you wanted them to be the top seed in the regional. It doesn't seem like that's going to be the case anymore. They've, they've played their way out of that as well. Uh, is there any chance that they can boost it outside of winning the Big Ten tournament? Because if they do, they're going to have to go through uh, Columbus. They're going to have to beat Ohio State in a three-game series to do that. And then most likely they're going to get Michigan, I imagine. They're not going to get Minnesota. Minnesota is going to get uh, the fourth seed or the fifth seed in Notre Dame and Michigan State, which should be a great series in its own right. Uh, but you're ultimately going to get Michigan. And, and then if you, I think, I think they can beat Ohio State again on the road. It's not going to be easy. Uh, Ohio State's got revenge on the mind. Uh, Michigan, we've seen them beat Michigan. They beat Michigan on the road. They beat Minnesota on the road. So I, I'm wondering. Ben Schoen, who's been out for a while and he's out for the season, he's not coming back, has that much of an impact on this Nittany Lion team. I know they just got Kerwin back and he's paid dividends. It showed in that second game against Minnesota, but it wasn't enough to get a win. So that impact of Ben Schoen, I think, is something that's just not being talked about enough. Yeah. And if they do have to go to Michigan, that worries me big time because Yost Ice Arena is a house of horrors for Penn State. And if they won there, they won there. Twice. Yep. They've only won there twice. Yeah, in and history. I think, <laughs> and I think that's the lowest number for any of the other Big Ten arenas that, for whatever reason, they go into Yost and then it just, I don't know. It, it, I've never understood it. It irritates me. It, I'm sure it irritates a lot of the fan base, and I'm sure it irritates the players that they can just never figure out why that place has this weird voodoo complex on them. It makes no sense. And those become single game eliminations at that point. It's a three game series for the opening round and then single elimination from here on out. So uh, Chris, before I let you go, what ultimately is your expectation? We'll talk about the NCAA tournament more as it approaches, but the big 10 tournament is now for Penn state. They're securely in the NCAA tournament. They don't have to play for anything except possibly better standing uh, in the regional. If they can beat an Ohio state, if they can somehow beat a Michigan and then 
at least perform well against who I expect Minnesota. Minnesota wants the top seed. They have in the NCAA tournament. They have everything to play for. But what are, in your opinion, realistic expectations for Penn State in the Big Ten tourney? Semifinals again, probably. Okay. I'd, I think they get past Ohio State in three like they did last year. It's going to be three tightly contested games. And then if they have to go to either Minneapolis or um, Ann Arbor, I don't remember exactly. I think I think the one seed still gets the lowest remaining seed and then they reseed. I could be wrong in saying that. I'll double check in a little bit. But I'm just so worried. Uh, that's all I'm going to say. I'm worried. I think they'll beat Ohio State, but I'm still worried that. Oh, yeah, it's not an easy Ohio State and, and I, Ohio State's number nine in the pairwise, so they're they're right behind them. This is truly uh, an even matchup. I'd love to see this on neutral ice, but we don't get that because Ohio State did a lot of its damage in its Big Ten schedule. That's why they're the third seed. I mean, the the coaches were right. I, I was laughing at the beginning of the season when I said I can't believe the coaches pull as Penn State number six. Look at them; they're top five in the country. Lo and behold, uh, believe it or not, hockey head coaches in Division One <laughs> uh, at the Division One level know hockey better than I do, uh, and they had they had Penn State as the sixth spot, and, and Penn State lands in the sixth spot. I mean, yeah, I thought the same thing going into the year. Like, there's no way this team's going to be sixth. Then that's how well, good the Big Ten. That that is not. It's not a. It's not a stake at Penn State. That is how good then the Big Ten is. The Notre Dame finishing fourth is weird in in itself and Wisconsin just happened to be the bottom feeder typically in years past it's been Michigan State but Michigan State finishing fifth has been the surprise so uh, if anything Michigan State's the weird one finishing as high as it did Minnesota at the top of course Michigan at the top and then Ohio State finishing in third that also uh so it's going to be a tough series uh what do you think is going to be the difference maker for Penn State if they are to win two games out of there Capitalize on your opportunities, get the power play fixed, and need, and you need Liam Soulier to out-goalie Jakob Dobesh. All right, very well put. That is Chris Hess on the other side. Thanks again for making Locked On Nittany Lines your first listen and watch every single day. Once again, make sure you check out Locked On College Basketball as March Madness is almost here. Everything you need to know about college basketball in one place. Plus, you get to hear from big-name experts, insiders, players, and coaches. That is Locked On College Basketball, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. Thanks for joining us for another live episode of Locked On Nittany Lines. Subscribe to the YouTube channel for more Penn State sports content. Chris Hess, uh, WFAN producer. I can say that now. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, where can people keep up with your work and all your activity at WFAN? Uh, my Twitter handle is at Chris Hess 22. And my Instagram is at Christopher underscore Hess 22. And one last thing before we sign off, I just sure. confirmed it with the USCHO website. The first round is the best of three and the semifinals, the lowest remaining seed will go to the number one seed. And the second second lowest remaining seed will go to the second highest remaining seed. So that means if Penn state were to get through okay. the first round, they would go up to three M arena at Mariucci to play Minnesota. Okay. So we do a good, good bit of confirmation. That's why I bring you on for the uh, expert analysis uh, and they do not just go right into Michigan, but Michigan's the two seed and Minnesota's the number one seed. So an important distinction if Penn state's got to pull off an upset here, as the sixth seed to get past uh, Ohio State to, to play the Golden Gophers in another rematch. Chris, thanks so much for your time. Again, excited for our next conversation uh, about Penn State hockey, football, and others.
Of course. Thanks for having me.